Thank you. We're going to be in Luke 12. It's going to be on page 508. If you need a Bible, there's a blue one underneath your seat. We're going to start in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. This is God's word. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Who's here? This is your first time here. Anybody? This is your first time here? A couple of you. Yeah, I'm Josh Watt. Uh, we just use that picture of a cute guy to get you to come. But how long can I keep doing that joke? Maybe one more time and people figure me out. I am uh, delighted now, Margie and I are calling North Mountain our church, and we're excited to jump into this adventure with you guys. Uh, you needed some balance on the, you know, the medium age of your staff, because you, you got Chandler, who's like 14, right? So I, maybe we're hitting the 40s now on average, but now you got the X-Man joining the team, so it's getting really interesting around here, really fun. But... Uh, you know, God is in this thing. Uh, I mean, I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but this is not the world's greatest facility, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of nicer, churchy-looking places you could have gone this morning, and you're coming here. And I think it's because uh, God's Spirit is here, His people are here, uh, there's some gifted leadership, and uh, so I'm delighted to jump in and be part of it. I'm kind of a, I have an assignment with redemption uh, at large to pastor the pastors. So that's one of my part-time jobs. The other thing, I'm part of a, a movement called the Bonhoeffer Project that uh, I'll share with you on another occasion. But uh, we're going to look at Jesus and money today. We've locked the doors so you can't leave now. <laughs> we'll take two offerings, make sure that you got the message about Jesus and money. All right. You guys, you're laughing at my dumb humor. That's so encouraging. Uh, let's pray for a moment, shall we? Father, it is, uh, it is staggering, Father, that the God who's holding the universe in its place and birthing stars at this moment, at the extremities of the cosmos, uh, condescends to this little gathering. Jesus, we think of your words. If, if just a couple of you, three of you are gathered in my name, I'm there. Oh, we're so grateful. And uh, your love and your grace and your, your heart for us, your pursuit of us is unexplainable. And we dare to believe it. And we dare to believe that you are here in this place now and that you have a word for each of us. We believe that this book is a living book and these truths have the power to change me into the person I long to be. Uh, I cannot do it in my own power, Lord. It's fruitless. But you can change me. and That's my hope. Uh, to the glory of your name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Luke chapter 12. Yeah, let's hang out there. I'm so glad I just got a couple short verses. Remember that King study where you're like doing chapters? Who, whose was that? Was that uh, Luke Simmons' idea? I'll have to straighten him out about that. Uh, okay, where's my little marker? Where am I? Here I am, Luke 12. If you read the Gospels, and you ought to read them, there's a reason there's four. God is saying, I want you to know my son. I want you to know him in stereophonic surround sound pictures. So he gives this, the Jewish scholar Matthew, and he gives you the Dr. Luke, and he gives you the Greek theologian John, and he gives you the guy with ADD, Mark. And so you get all these different views of Jesus, but the message is spend time in the Gospels every year read through one of the Gospels so that you can keep that image, that picture of Jesus in your head because we leak, don't we? And we've got to keep going back to those truths of who is the Savior that loves me and that I'm called to love and serve and follow. If you're not in the Gospels, you lose sight of that. And then uh, our darkened, fallen minds have a terrible way of of ascribing motive and bringing in doubt about him that... uh, only the truth of the word can clear up. So stay in the Gospels. But when you, when you look at Jesus' words, uh, he just wants you to hear, it's going to be okay, child. Whatever you're going through, it's going to be okay. He's, he's got this. And some of you are going to suffer. I mean, suffering just part of the curriculum that might best lessons in the faith are things that I learned in suffering. I wish I could just say, Lord, I read that book, I applied it, I'm growing. But it doesn't work that way. He's got to crack me open with pain and loss and disappointment. But he's always there and he always uses it. But he's, he's got this. I, I'm always fascinated by that story of Jesus in the boat You know, they're out in the boat, and they've been fishing, and Jesus is worn out because he's God, but he's a man, he's asleep in the boat. You know the story, right? Been to Sunday school, you know the story. And uh, the storm comes up, and these guys, they don't swim. You know, Jewish fishermen in the first century, they didn't swim. There's no swim class. So if they fall in, they're dead. And the storm's rocking the boat, the boat's filling up with water, they're panicked. They wake him up, Lord, don't you care? How many times have you said that? Lord, don't you care? And his response is, Lord, we could die. And it's like Jesus says, so? Like death is not the worst thing. The worst thing is not knowing him. People die every day, all the time. Some way too early. Some, like my dad, he's 93. He's finally had a spiritual reconnection of Jesus. Took that long. Don't wait that long. Don't. <laughs> but he's here. He's got this. So this morning, you can take a deep breath and let all those things in your shoulders, on your heart, that are running back here, and just lay it down 
like you can really trust him. Like, don't be anxious. What? He says that all the time. He's either crazy or he really does have this. So we come into Luke 12, and uh, the, verse 31 said the close of last week's message, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. What things? Well, he, he talked about the things in the first century they worried about was food. Right? Everybody lived subsistence. That is, I work, I get paid, I work the field, I get crops, we eat. Uh, they didn't have bank accounts, there was no MasterCard. So every day was, will we have food today? Will we have money today? And so that was preeminent. We have other things we're anxious about. Uh, and so you could put in your list of the things that make you anxious, and Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about that. Uh, those who don't know me, verse 30, these are what all the nations of the world are seeking because they don't know me. You know me. So seek my kingdom. Seek my kingdom. I'll take care of these other things. Don't worry about them. So then we come to verse 32, our section I love this verse. I, we could just preach this whole verse, but uh, do not be afraid, little flock. There he goes again. There's so much to be afraid of. Uh, marketing, the news is set up. You know, new strain of COVID. Watch news at six to find out. I mean, just always be afraid. New reason you shouldn't drink coffee. No, watch the news, six o'clock. No, coffee is great for you. <laughs> they brewed coffee in the garden. <laughs> but look at the sweet, the tenderness of Jesus' words. Do not be afraid, Redemption North Mountain, this little flock. Don't be afraid. And fear was my issue. I was a... Uh, Anxious, worried about stuff, worried so much I burnt a hole in my gut. I had a bleeding ulcer in eighth grade. Uh, just that's where all my anxiety, anxiousness went. Didn't know that uh, my dad was an alcoholic. I thought everybody's home was kind of crazy like mine. Uh, so I know about fear and that it can physically hurt you. What a relief when I heard Jesus say, Sandy, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Can you hear him say that to you, dear one? Don't be afraid. Oh, Lord, I can name 14 things right now I need to fear. He says that I'm Lord over all of them. Don't be afraid, little flock, that tender, compassionate words. Jesus loves little things, loves little churches, little kids, Humble little jobs, little grandmas. Loves little things. Loves you. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father, this is good, has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. Anybody here buy lottery tickets? It's church. Confess up. 
I, don't, I can't find a verse that says don't buy a lottery ticket. And just give us a big chunk of it if you win. But uh, you read what happens, folks, that win that lottery, man, they run through that stuff. Doesn't last, doesn't hold, doesn't bring what they thought it would bring. But the kingdom, oh, the kingdom, oh, man, the kingdom. Let's look. Uh, First Peter. I didn't give First Peter's a slide, did I, guys? No, I don't think so. All right. I don't know if you're good enough to turn in another part of your Bible, but you hang a right from Luke and go back to the epistles. First Peter, verse 3. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. He does it. You can't born again yourself. Anybody here have a baby? Ladies, anybody here have a baby? Yeah. <laughs> Did that baby send you a note, I'd like to be born now? No. Your body said, now baby, you're coming out. Some of the babies didn't want to come out, but the baby doesn't control when they're born. You don't control when you're born again. It's his work, it's amazing, it's grace. It's mind-blowing. And you're born again to a living hope. It's right now, through the resurrection of Christ. When Jesus raised from the dead, he took this Bible and said, <clears throat> all true. Everything's true. Everything, because I talked about Abraham. He said, I talked about Moses. I talked about Jonah and Noah, all those wild stories. I just confirmed them when I was raised from the dead. The resurrection. So my hope is a living hope. But look at this, verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. Not like your garden, not like your car, not like your bank account. Imperishable, undefiled, nothing will taint it. Nothing will, it will not be one of those things where you, you, you wanted it, and you saved money, and you bought it, and then it was kind of like, oh. It's, that phone isn't quite as cool as I thought it would be. Oh, there's a new one coming out already? Oh. Yes, this kingdom is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away like everything in this life. Everything fades away, but not the kingdom. It is reserved in heaven for you. Reserved. Your name's on it. Your place is established. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. Now, that's, you might say, okay, that's the kingdom come. But the kingdom is now around us. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, when he started preaching, he said, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right now. That's why when he taught us to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. That is, I want to live in the reality of your kingdom now. Did you know you can do that? He wants you to do that. He wants you to live in the reality of the invisible kingdom and that's what we're going to look at today because that's 
life-changing. When you stop living in the world that you can only see and touch and taste, and you begin to live in the reality of a world that is just as real, but you can't see it. But it's just as real. Here's how the, the writer to Hebrews put it. All right. Can I set up this contrast? Here we go. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. Old covenant, you can't come near God. Holy of holies, only the high priest. Don't anybody else try to come in there. You'll be struck dead. Now he's on Sinai. Only Moses can go up. You better not go. In fact, look what he says. You've not come to a mountain, this is the old covenant, that cannot be touched, blazing fire, darkness and gloom and whirlwind, the blast of a trumpet, the sound of words, which when they heard, they begged that no further word would be spoken, for they could not here that bear the command if even a beast touches the mountain it'll be stoned god was making the point in the old covenant i'm god i'm holy i'm not like you and your sin is a problem for me so they're getting that message loud and clear all the sacrificial system given the message i'm a holy god and i want you but sin is a problem the terrible the sight was so terrible verse 21 that moses said i'm full of fear and trembling and Moses was no sissy. But that's not what you and I come to. On this side of the cross, look, look what we come into now. But you, verse 22, you little flock, you little worshiper here at North Mountain Redemption, you come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion in the New Testament is where God is. You come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels. This same book will say that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve you. Now, there was a, a season back in the 80s or 90s when people were seeing angels, writing books about angels. We got all preoccupied with angels, and it kind of killed the, the, the wonderful truth that there are angels, and they are ministering to you in ways that you'll be able to appreciate more fully on the other side but that's the kingdom right now we we come into this kingdom where there are myriads of angels the general assembly and church of the firstborn jesus he's the firstborn we're part of that who are enrolled in heaven to god the judge of all to the spirits of the righteous made perfect to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of abel abel's blood spoke of judgment my brother killed me Jesus' blood speaks of forgiveness, redemption, and freedom to enter the kingdom now. So right now there are angels in this place. And they marvel that God loves the likes of us. And they, with all their power and all their beauty and all their knowledge, they do not know what you and I know as these ones made in the image of God. We have something unique that God gave us that even the angels don't have and peer in at our gathering and marvel. Why does he love them so? Why did he give so much for them? The kingdom, the kingdom, it's a reality. It's here now, it's at hand. So how do I access 
the kingdom? Oh, that's a critical question. How do I access the reality of the kingdom in my life? Well, if you'll send $100 to my ministry, I will tell you how to do it. It's not that one. The key to the kingdom is obedience. The key to the kingdom is obedience. As you set your heart on Jesus and you say, in my world, the people that are in my life, and all the challenges in my work and my school and my kids and my singleness and my money and my lack of money and all that, Lord, I want to seek your kingdom. But you got to lead me and show me. But I, I'm going to take a step towards you. And for all of us, he will make that clear what that next step is for you. But it's like, it's like Peter in the boat. He sees Jesus walking on water. It wasn't shallow water and he was just jumping on stones like, you know, at slide rock. No, there, it was real water with depth and he's walking on the top of it because he's the Lord of the water. And uh, Peter says, cool, I want to do that. Of course. And the Lord says, well, come on, friend. And so Peter steps out of the boat. Can you imagine? He steps in the boat. He can't swim. Okay, steps on the boat. It, it takes, takes another step. And then he starts thinking about what he's doing. Wait. And he starts to go down. But he had to take the step out of the boat to experience the power of Christ's kingdom. An amazing kingdom. So that's what Jesus is going to tell us today related to possessions and money. Possessions and money are not evil. Money is not evil. It's the root of much evil. The love of money is the problem. Money is a great tool. We need money to advance the kingdom. But loving money and possessions holds me in bondage. So what Jesus is all about, dear one, is setting you free from bondage. Jesus is not like, I need more money. Oh, I'm hurting up here in heaven. We don't know if we're going to have enough resources. That is not his problem. His problem is watching you whom he loves all wound up about money. All tied up like Lazarus in his grave clothes. And he wants to say, come out of the grave. Unwrap that girl. Unwrap that boy. Get free. He wants you to be free of the bondage, the lordship, the mastering of money and possessions over you so that you can joyfully obey and follow him. That's what he wants. He wants you to enjoy following him. In Matthew 11, he said, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light compared to living in the world. The world is burdensome. And the social statistics in America just prove it over and over. Wealthiest country, greatest resources, greatest opportunity in any country on the planet, consuming most drugs, most suicide. What's wrong? The, the human dream doesn't work. More accumulation doesn't satisfy. More degrees really don't make you happier and smarter. 
More sex never satisfies. It's a lie. And we just keep falling for it generation after generation, and it puts us in bondage. So Jesus says, I have come to set you free. Amen. And that's what this little message is about. I want you to live in the reality of my kingdom, which is a place of goodness and peace, where you can really relax, not worry, have fun, laugh. In the last six weeks, I, well, in the last year, really, uh, three wonderful friends have all beat me to heaven. They're all very different. Uh, Lou loved Jesus, got saved on a golf course on the 12th hole here at Arizona Country Club. I think he knelt down, said, all right, I surrender. Jesus had been after him. He'd been fighting him. He said, I got zapped to the bone. I mean, he, he knew this is real, and his gift was giving, and he just gave a lot. Teen Challenge is a different ministry because of his giving and he could laugh he was free he could laugh possessions he got set free of the bondage of possession just love giving it away then there's glenna glenna had the gift of teaching she was brilliant she was at northwestern university and she was so upset about these christians her dad had become a christian and she thought it was all baloney she knew the bible was full of errors and so she asked who's the smartest professor on the campus that could help you know, confirm my doubts about the Bible. And lo and behold, she went to the smartest professor and he was a Christian. She didn't know that. <laughs> and so she said, okay, let's, let me just, what about this ark and the flood? That couldn't be. Well, you know, there's a geological record that looks like there's layers. There may be there. Well, what about, there couldn't be a fish. I mean, brought all her objections and he was able to respond scientifically, historically, that it could be true. And uh, she wonderfully came to Christ and had a great gift of teaching, and, and she could laugh. And we could watch football and laugh. And, uh, then there was Everett. Everett was the quiet engineer, Norwegian engineer, had patents hanging on his wall. You'd never know he's a big deal, but he's very smart, big deal. Loved Christ, loved to study, loved knowledge, and he could laugh. The common thread of these three folks is that they were freed up. That's what life in the kingdom, they were freed up. They knew Jesus had them. They knew everything they had was from him. And so they could freely give stuff away. They could pour themselves out for him. And it was a joy. And that's what he wants for each of us. But it, it, obedience is the key. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, obeys them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and we will reveal ourselves to him. So the key to the kingdom is as we take a step in obedience, it may be in your dating life, it may be with your money, it may be with your tongue, it may be with your thought life. You know where there's an area of obedience that you would like to be set free from and he would love to see you set free. And as you courageously take a step away from what has you toward him, the reality of the kingdom begins to make sense in your mind and heart. As long as you're unwilling to obey, it, it makes no sense. It just feels like law. 
So, Luke, how are we doing? Check if the person next to you is still awake, would you? We don't want anybody sleeping. Oh, there went my notes. Thank you, brother. You will go to heaven. <laughs> so, don't be afraid, little flock. Luke 12, 32. Your father's chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So, verse 33. Oh, here's the... Oh, oh I knew it was coming. Here we go. Sell your possessions. Like that rich young guy that came to Jesus and said, hey, here's my spiritual resume. Look, I've, I've done really good. Bar mitzvah, circumcised, rabbi school. Kept in these commandments. Look, how did Jesus, what do you think? Am I in? Jesus looked at it, smiled, and said, yeah, just one thing. Got it. What is it? Tell me. I'll just go sell everything. And we hear he is again. So that must be really, you're not really spiritual unless you sell everything. Give it to charity. Is that what Jesus, what's he saying? Your possessions steal your vision for the kingdom. Your money and your possessions uh, mask, veil, hide, distract from the kingdom. So if that's your issue, get rid of it. Have a garage sale. Give it away. Give some money to this silly little wonderful church. Give something away that is just too important to you. Like my record collection. Oh. When I came to Jesus, I had a great rock and roll, Led Zeppelin, and Creedence Clearwater Revival, and all the never you guys never heard of back when the Earth's crust was hardening. It was great stuff. Uh, so I came to Jesus, and I looked at that music and those albums, and I wish I'd never done what I did, because they're worth a lot of money now. <laughs> but I just knew in my heart these, this stuff, this music, what it, what it was a backdrop for sin in my life. Lord, here. Went down the hall of the frat. Here, you want this? What? Yeah, here. It was freedom for me. It wasn't, okay, well, I got to be a good Christian, so, well, I really love my music. Here, I'll just give it. No. What do you want to be free from? What do you want to be free from? Give it away. Give it away. Something to think about. What has you? Now, he, Jesus doesn't want us all poor. I know poor people that are more preoccupied with money and greed than some wealthy people. So it isn't about poverty is not necessarily more spiritual. What Jesus is saying is, I want you free. If your possessions, remember the whole section started with the guy that had lots of possessions, said, i got to build bigger barns, so I'll just be set for life. And Jesus said, have you ever thought about your soul, man? What good is that? Got a slide here. Show me that slide. There you go. Come on, man. He can't take it with him. That's a real picture. I mean, somebody really did hook a U-Haul to a hearse. Didn't know that would be an awesome sermon illustration right there. 
All that stuff that you haul will just stay right there. Good try. What has you? What has you? Give it away. Give to that which uh, cannot be stolen by a thief, will not rust or moth destroy. Invest in the kingdom. See, that's, this is the wild thing. All right, 1 Corinthians 3. Did I give you guys that verse? I don't think I did. No, nothing's coming up on the screen, which is their answer to say, no, Sandy, we never got that verse. Okay. All right, let's look in 1 Corinthians 3. Can you do that? Are you that good? You got tabs in your Bible, don't you? No? Gosh, she actually reads this book? A religious Sunday school lady right there. Right in the front row. I love you. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Paul says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another's building on it. He's talking about his church planting ministry. But each man, now this is all of us, not just church planters, each of us must be careful how we build. No man, no woman can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man or woman builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each person's work, verse 13, here's what I want you to hear. Each person's work will become evident. The day will show it. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of your work. If any man's work which he built remains, he'll receive a reward. God loves reward. He wants to reward you. If your work is burned up, you'll suffer loss, but you'll get through us through fire. So there'll be some people uh, running into heaven with the smell of smoke on them. Yikes! You know, they, they just didn't invest anything in the kingdom. They were saved, but <laughs> nothing, nothing got invested. It, Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name to someone, I don't forget that. You don't understand Every act of kindness, of service, of charity, of prayer, all of it is storing up something for you. All of it. None of it will be missed. He loves to reward us. That's why this life matters. How you live now matters. That's why all his parables are about, you know, the guy had some talents and divvied them out and said, what do you do with that? A guy said, here's uh, some money. wants you to invest it. What's Jesus' point? This life matters. No, you don't earn your salvation, but how you live matters. Your obedience opens up your understanding of the kingdom. You you understand the word, you understand your gifts, why you're here, and it all matters. Isn't that mind-blowing? You thought, well, it only matters if I write a check. Checks matter. Money matters. Kindness matters. A good word matters. A hug matters. You think it's silly. No, it, it's so like God. It all matters. All you dear ones who don't have a big public ministry, and you think, do I matter the body of Christ? Absolutely. And your humble acts behind the scenes, there was a woman walking through here praying for you all before the service. Oh, that matters. That matters. For this life and the life to come.
Invest in the kingdom. The benefit of investing in the kingdom is that Jesus reveals more of the reality of the kingdom to you. So your faith grows. Your understanding of the scripture grows. You can't lose in his kingdom. You, you will not be sorry. How are we doing here? We're okay. It's a guy named Millard Fuller. Anybody know about Habitat for Humanity? A couple of, yeah, great ministry. At the height of their ministry, uh, they determined that every six minutes, somewhere in the world, Habitat built a house for somebody. Wow, so over a million people at the height. He died in 2009, but Millard Fuller was uh, just a smart guy, grew up in Alabama, and just knew business, knew how to make money, worked hard all the time. By the time he was 29, he was a millionaire, and uh, had two kids and a wife. One day his wife, he, he'd heard about Jesus, went to church as a young boy, but he left Jesus when he went to college. A lot of us have that story, right? Thank you, Jesus, but now I'm in college and I'll take over. Uh, Miller did that. And uh, what it got him was a million dollars, but his wife came to me one day and said, I don't have a husband, I'm leaving. Because he was never home, and when he was home, he wasn't hers. Uh, and it broke him. It broke him. And he went back to a church, and he got on his knees. He said, Jesus, I realize I've blown it. Everything I thought would give me joy. And he'd bought stuff. He had cars and boats and toys. And, but he didn't have a wife anymore. He didn't have a marriage and a family. He said, Jesus, I blew it. Can you forgive me and use me? And uh, because of that step of obedience, he began to understand who Jesus is and the joy of knowing him and that Jesus wanted him back with his wife. And he went back on his knees and said, will you come back to me? And she came back. And uh, they began to worship and be a family. And they decided, you know, possessions have been our God. Let's give them away. Where did he get that idea? So they did. So they gave all their stuff away. They moved into a Christian farm commune, learned about how they could build homes inexpensively for people and started to do that. And it turned into this worldwide ministry. The kingdom just opened up to him because he kept taking steps of obedience and joy. Sometimes that step of obedience has to come after a crisis, after God allows us to be broken, allows us to come to the end of our rope. You know, that's a great line. I wish I had thought of it. Somebody says, where's God live? You know where he lives, at the end of your rope. Yeah, that's what Millard found out. And uh, joy. Millard Fuller, when you gave away your possessions, was it like, well, it's a religious thing to do. I should do it. No, he, they, it was joy. Friend, if there's not joy for you in giving, then you, you don't know him yet. You don't know Jesus yet. You don't know how much he loves you, what he gave for you, what he's prepared for you. We think this life, you know, sometimes life seems really long. Here I am, I still feel like in, inside, I feel like I'm still 28. Then I get on the basketball court and something pulls like, dang, I'm not 28 anymore. But... 
this life goes fast. This life goes fast. And uh, what you give for him and his kingdom is what lasts. And that's where the joy is. I've never met a missionary that said to me, you know, I, I really hate it here, but I thought it was a good religious thing to do. I wanted to impress Jesus, so here I am. No, they love it. They can't get there fast enough. Why? Because they, they've tapped into the kingdom. They began to take steps of obedience as they heard Jesus call on their life. And the more as they took steps of obedience, they got more understanding about who they are and their purpose and their call. And it's joy. And that's what he says. I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I've told you, John 15, I've told you these things so that my joy would be in you. Following Jesus is joyful. Unless you're still kind of holding back, you know. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. Okay, I'll give you this. What James say, the stepbrother of Jesus in James 1, you know, it, he'll give generously to all, but if you're, if you're double-minded, you're like, yeah, I'm in, no. Yeah, I'm his, no. That double-minded person, James says, you won't get jack. You won't get jack just doesn't work it's that point where you just say I'm yours what do you want what do you want to take what do you want to give oh dear one he'll give much more than he takes you will not be sorry you will not be sorry but I've done a few funerals of some men that were full of regret never said here Jesus hung on tried to save their life as they understood it and lost the things most precious. And then it was too late. You will not be sorry. How's our passage close? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. The culture says, uh, go find your heart. Go find your heart. Jesus says, oh, I know right where your heart is. It's with what you treasure most. So you got, you know, I've pastored a while, and I know men that, you know, believe they were born again, they'd prayed the prayer, and they tithed. But man, their God was their work. And they were there all the time, and their families, you know, I got to provide for my family. Isn't it always a line? I, I got to provide for my family. Like those athletes, you know. Why'd you quit for the $80 million contract? Well, you know, I got to feed my family. You know, we'll always rationalize it. Where's your treasure? There's your heart. You can tell the people you love, oh, you got my heart, but if your treasure is your work or your stuff, uh, they know the truth. So Jesus says, you can move your heart. If you don't like the fact that the stuff, the job, the position has your heart, you can set your heart free. Give it away. Break out of that. Put your treasure in the kingdom of God. Put your treasure with people you love. Put your treasure, give some to the poor. And your heart follows. And suddenly the things of God become more important. As you start to give to your local church, funny thing, you start praying for the church because your treasure's here. So your heart follows and your faith comes and now you care. Uh, 
As long as you don't give the church, you don't care what they do. You're not really, you're not in. You attend, but you're not in. And there's no joy in that. There's no joy in just kind of showing up two times a month. Sorry, I offended you already. The doors are now unlocked. You can leave. But No, the joy is when you're in. Like X talked about membership. It's, it's when you're in and you say, I'm, I'm putting my treasure here. My time, my talents, my money. I'm putting it here. Wow. Your heart comes. Your gifts get released. Connections happen. The kingdom flows as you take that step of obedience. Jesus loves you. He wants you to have every good thing he's prepared for you. Are you ready to trust him? Are you ready to trust him? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus. What a savior. What a gospel. What a kingdom. Now and yet to come. Lord, give us faith to believe you and trust you and step out. To the greatness of your name we pray. Amen.